0: I am your host, Cole Dawson, and with me, as always, my hashtag team partner, Ron Kilmore. Ronald. How the heck are you today, bud? That was
1: the longest of you've ever done on this show, Cole. <laughs> I
0: know. I do it different every time. <laughs> yes. <it's>, it was <laughs> Just to like, fuck with you. It was kind of <laughs> like when I when I went on my hot
1: streak of coal puns. I called you Stone Cole, Steve Austin, <laughs> Cole Slaw. Uh, what else did I got? You know, uh, Coleman Jones. I don't know. I, I got nothing today. But you know what I do have? is I have a really burly sweater on because it's so freezing, and I live in California. But uh, what uh, is also freezing uh, nowadays, and it's on a shirt, you can go find it, is, uh, the, is the place called Hell. Because uh, apparently hell is frozen over, and they're selling it on WWE.com now. For
0: probably sold two million shirts already. You're yeah, already to to like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. The wrestling world is on its head because CM Punk returned to WWE, and a lot of people are going ape shit over it. And uh, I watched SmackDown in its entirety for the first time in quite a while, and I texted right. you immediately. I was like, my God, Cole, my fantasy booking boner is throbbing.
0: I, it's great because they really haven't committed to anything at all with CM Punk. They haven't really rubbed him up against anybody to act like, "Hey, this is definitely where we're going for his first feud." Like they, I mean, at this point, his first like in ring appearance could be Royal Rumble, and and it wouldn't hurt anyone's feelings. I don't think. Uh, I thought the promo this week was a lot better because it wasn't like he said uh, hamstrung by the fact that he only had six minutes of airtime left. He had all night. Uh, It was a little more natural, a little more what we're accustomed to from punk. And, uh, you know, I think the first one was just to do business and get things right. And then uh, this one was uh, a little more CM Punk. Let's have some fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and he even mentioned that his time got cut short, and he was uh, the punk of old when it comes to, like, the whole summer of punk thing, you know, kind of doing his little pipe bomb shtick, you know, even on NXT this past Saturday, he came out rocking a Bret Hart hoodie when he greeted Shawn Michaels, and I was like, yes, oh, I just love little shit like that, and, uh... You know, uh, CM Punk is a good, you know, almost transition for why we're here today because he was a poster boy for WWE CW uh, way back in the day when he first chimed into the WWE world. And uh, we are here for the ECW bracket. It's going to be a fantastic time. But before I bring in our guest for this monumentous occasion, uh, like I said, my fantasy booking boner is going vast and throbbing and for days, 24-7. So I got to propose this scenario because I was thinking about this Every, like, 10, WrestleMania, like, WrestleMania 1, 10, 20, 30, they all went home with, like, babyface triumphant endings. And everything mostly in between, especially this past decade, they've gone home on WrestleMania with nuclear heat. And I just, I love it. You know, you got Roman Reigns beating Undertaker one year. You got Brock Lesnar uh, beating uh, Roman Reigns cold. You got, uh, what else you got? You got, uh... I mean, just this past year well, with Cody. Yeah, last year. This yeah. past year with Cody. So, you know, you even mentioned that it might be too early for Punk to main event WrestleMania, which I agree. So what if the caveat would be he main evented night one? That's
0: and fair. And Cody main
1: event's night two. And what if both stories get finished and we go home the same way we went home WrestleMania 20 with Eddie Guerrero and Benoit in the ring? Yes, I said his name. But for the purposes... Of this, yeah, yeah. I can imagine WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. We go home with Cody and Punk in the ring, titles in hand, shaking hands. Not just as a long history of friendship, and that and that is also part of it. But yeah. it's also a just a a Fucking billboard, AEW. a billboard <laughs> <Yeah>. AEW roster <laughs> of like, look what's possible, kids. Yes, yeah.
0: I I think that's that's a I forgot about having the two nights of main event. Uh, Still, nonetheless, I feel like Punk is only going to be accepting of the main event, main event spot. Like, I feel like if it's up to him, his dream come true is definitely the end of WrestleMania. I I feel like I'm glad it was not two nights last night because I felt like it was nice to shine a spotlight on the Usos and they deserved it last year. But I still don't feel like the night one main event is the main event. Like it's it's an it's a consolation prize. It's nice. I think it's good to use it for uh if they have two hot storylines. I mean, last year was the first time they had two hot feuds in a long time. Like I, I it's so I don't know. I, I think it'd be good if we've got Seth and Punk on night one and we've got Cody and Roman on night two. I, I I think that's a perfect scenario, honestly. I and think it's, and it's a, it's a good, good compromise.
1: Little, yeah. And it's a good little reminder. Like this is like the second year in the row where the rock was heavily rumored. but I'm kind of yeah. like, I'm kind of like on team Ron saying we don't need him again this year. <laughs> yeah, I, we don't the, the roster's freaking stacked. And like, you know, he planted that seed earlier, but also that strike was in effect. Notice how Cena's is no longer on TV when that strike ended. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, everyone's busy again. Uh, the wrestling world is on fire because we don't need the rock uh, i thought that that was some, that was something that we were, they were going to heavily push for the 4th decade of wrestlemania but good lord we don't yeah. need him this time
0: <laughs> well but if we watch what Jay uso's been doing and he's basically been imitating the rock i don't think we need rock and roman necessarily but we could add you know wrestlemania 40 we throw in The Rock with Jey Uso or with some other... Because the problem is there's just not a lot of heels right now. Like, there's The Bloodline and then there's, like, everybody else. Or, I mean, it would be cool, like, The Bloodline against The Rock and Jey Uso. That'd be cool. Like, I'd I'd be down for that. But, uh, yeah, we don't need The Rock to main event one of these nights of WrestleMania anymore. And I think that just tells the tale of what Triple H has been able to accomplish for the last year and a half, so.
1: Yes, yes, we are... We are excited for what Triple H has been able to accomplish and what he will accomplish. But we, what we are very excited for is uh, my attempt at a transition into this ECW bracket again. <laughs> uh, but, you know, before we get there, you know, I alluded to it earlier, but we have a guest. We have a third man that's fitting for this bracket, the ECW bracket, because... When I met this person, he was well-versed in the ECW roster, and I wasn't, and I really dove in headfirst in the ECW extravaganza. I even stayed up to 2 a.m. watching the television show on TNN before it was Spike. It was atrocious, but I loved it, and and it was appointment television, much to the chagrin of my sleeping schedule, but I am talking about none other than a recurring guest on this show, Mr. Ty Matthews, ladies and gentlemen.
0: Hello, everyone.
1: It's
0: been so long. It has been a while. We've tried to hook up a couple times and and it just didn't work out. But we are here with you today. I'm very excited for this bracket in particular because I know that in this bracket there are two people that you love very dearly uh, and maybe even modeled some of your wrestling characters after. And so Uh I cannot wait to get into this bracket the Darso's will be in full
1: effect today, Don't and forget gentlemen. the Darso, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. One time only being played. If you feel so strongly about your entity moving on and uh, you're outvoted, but you feel like yours should move on, then you can play your Darso and demolish and repossess the votes and move your entity on. Only one time can be played during the bracket. Cannot be played in the finals. I'm ready to go and hurt some feelings, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get extreme.
0: All right, is everyone ready for the first matchup?
2: Absolutely, demolish and repossess is very good. I almost didn't catch that. That was cold. Yeah,
0: that was cold. Cole's a yeah, he all, right there. Yeah, he also forgot that you could act like a blacktop bully and demolish the competition, <laughs> repossess their votes, and. <laughs>
2: Take a mulligan.
0: And smash your way into the next round. Oh, that is berry, berry punny. <laughs> it is. We're definitely catering to people that know what's going on a little bit. I mean, that's that's kind of the thing. But just the fact that it's the Darso. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, that was just out of... Uh... The first bracket we did was a tag team bracket, but we wanted to have some kind of fun rule. And uh, we've kicked around the idea of some other fun rules, but I I think those are more for drafts, like the
1: Udo reverse card and stuff like that. And plus, these brackets, they end up not being drenched in facts at all. There's no integrity in these brackets. Doink the Clown, the greatest character of
0: the New Generation Era, or the greatest wrestler in the New Generation Era, beat out Brett, beat out Razor, beat out Sean, Doink the Clown. So that's what we're ready for today, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Let's start the ECW bracket. Rob Van Dam taking on
1: Kid Cash. Ronald? Ooh, Kid Cash. You know, uh, I have a fond memory of Kid Cash reversing a top rope powerbomb into a top rope Hurricane Rana. Uh, I believe that was on easy money. Uh mm-hmm. that was that was good times. But uh, you know, uh the Kid Rock uh gimmick uh for what it was was awesome, but he's going up against what would be the poster boy of ECW essentially, and probably the most successful ECW superstar after the company. So. I think so. So yeah, it's a shoe in for Mr. Rob Van Dam for me. Ty? I
2: would I would have to agree I was a, a massive massive fan of of Kid Cash back in the day. Um, I think he was definitely ahead of his time if you if you look at the stuff that he was doing in 99, 2000 like that's stuff that would still get hugely over now. Um, especially, yeah, like you said, the stuff that he did with easy money, but, but you're absolutely right. It's, you know, Rob Van Dam was revolutionary in, in such a way, like genuinely changed the, uh, the business for his time. So yeah, gotta go with, uh, Mr. Monday night.
0: I think RVD was so far ahead of his time. And so revolutionary that like, nobody's even tried to do his stuff. Like right. nobody's even tried to do the kicks or the, the, the you know, the rolling thunder or the the flipping corner to corner. Like nobody's even attempting to do RVD stuff today. And, and I mean, he's just so great and so unique. Like he, he might be one of the most unique characters in the history of pro wrestling. I would like to just give some flowers to Cade Cash. Not only was he one of the, you know, bigger names, the the bigger draws in the dying days of ecw you know Mm -hmm. for a guy his size to get pushed into kind of the main event spot is just impressive anyway but also i think he was a huge part of tna in the beginning and uh my you know one of my fond memories is him just throwing a chair uh, from off screen to smash. Was it? Oh, what was her name? Trinity. So yeah, smash Trinity in the face. No one saw it coming. There was no warning. Just boom, smashed the face. It's one of the great highlights in TNA history. Uh, So good for kid cash, but RVD unanimously on to the next round, bringing us to Steve Carino and Sandman. I'll go ahead and start this one. I love me some Steve Carino. Steve Carino is one of those guys that <clears throat> has one foot in the super old school, like he's drenched in in wrestling tradition, but also had that foot in the extreme world and would have some of the bloodiest matches you've ever seen in your life, but just an absolute phenomenal promo and character. It's I think he's one of those guys that, should have been a no brainer for WWF and it just never happened. And, and so I feel like this is one of the wasted opportunities in the history of the business. I feel like he could have been such, I mean, he could have been a top guy, I think in any company. Um, And Sandman has the entrance and it's great and it's wonderful. And it made our top 10 moments in ECW is when Sandman comes to the ring, but then the bell has to ring and uh, I'm going Steve Carino,
1: (laughs) Ronald. See, this is tough because you you know, you know my, my wrestler brain, you know once you appreciate putting the work in and putting together a match, it's Steve Carino all day, but like it's hard to take me out of the the 12 year old kid who discovered this crazy dude coming out to Metallica uh and hitting himself in the face with beer cans and this is before Stone Cold was stone Cold um. Uh, So it's tough because, and you're right, like Sandman, once the bell rings, it's not great. (laughs) But the character just sucked me in. But I think, I don't don't think there's going to be a lot of opportunity to give Carino such praise. And I think going out of your way to bring a chair in just to sit down while you headlock somebody is why he's going to go far (laughs) for me. (laughs) Uh, in this uh, in this bracket so you know what it, it sucks to eliminate such like such like a pivotal character like an essential character of ECW uh, but Steve Carino the, the, the dude's aces for me and I think WWE is benefiting off his knowledge today if I'm tremendously absolutely
0: all right Ty any any thoughts on this
2: I mean, I, I'm, I'm more or less right there with you guys. I think um, just, you know, while we're talking about him to, to give Sandman that credit and to give really kind of Paul Heyman that credit. I feel like Sandman was really emblematic of the way that Paul Heyman could hide someone's weaknesses and accentuate their strengths. And the fact that, you know, it showed us that there can be those people on a wrestling card that might not be able to go bell to bell but there's still a place for them. And there's still a reason for fans to go like, oh shit, Sandman's coming out. Um, At the same time, Steve Carino, and I don't know how much he actively um, might've borrowed or been inspired, but if you look at, you know, MJF, you know, I feel like a lot of what has been working for MJF the last few years really was kind of galvanized with Steve Carino's run in ECW being so the antithesis of everyone surrounding him yeah. you know you look at the the origins of aew and it's all these guys that are super all about work rate. and then there's mjf who's going so old school and so just like basic crowd heat and it reminds me a lot of the king of old school um but uh yeah it's honestly yeah a, a very interesting matchup but yeah definitely going to steve Corino. Oh, All right.
0: I was, I, was Ron was g- <laughs> I was hoping Ron was going sand, Sandman. That's why I set it up that way. But, you know, clean sweep, Steve Carino, bringing us to Cactus Jack versus the BWO, the Blue World Order, ladies and gentlemen. Cactus versus Stevie and uh Blue Mania and Nova.
1: What do you got, Ron? Oh, me first. Oh, damn it. Okay. Well... <laughs> Oh, this is tough. And, and, I'll, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be tough. right? right. But I'm going to explain why it is for me. Because, you know, uh, Cactus Jack, you know, for me, was somebody I had to go review in ECW. It wasn't until, like, I was introduced to him on Raw. I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this? I have to go back and watch, like, I have to, I have to go back and, like, watch WCW and ECW later on to, like, know the past of Cactus Jack. But, like... When I was watching ECW and, like, the Monday Night Wars were a thing and the BWO came out, it was instant laughter all the time. They were poking fun at the NWO. And then, not to mention, we did kind of consolidate these three guys. They were in three separate – uh Yeah. Uh, bra- uh, they were three separate inclusions in this bracket. We had Blue Meanie, Stevie Richards, and-, and Nova, which, you know, the only one I had a hardcore argument for was Nova. I liked his singles, Run When He Donned the Outfit, and, like – you know, invented earth bitch, Uh, you know, but Uh uh, he was very innovative. But I think what everyone thinks about the most, and, you know, you can go and watch the one-night stand, they came out as BWO. So, uh, and I think just because Cactus Jack, for me, represents, you know, WWE for me, just because of when I discovered him, and I don't think BWO is ever going to get the praise they deserve anywhere else on our shows. (laughs) I'm just going to get step outside the box a little bit, and I'm going to move uh, BWO on for me. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes with you two. But, uh, you know, Big Stevie Cool, uh, the blue guy, and uh, whatever they call it, Hollywood Nova. Uh, Hollywood Nova. Know, Hollywood yeah, yeah. Nova. Come on, let's push those guys through. Come on, it's three on yeah, one too. I, I got no chance. Yeah, I, yeah, I love it. I,
0: I'm good with it. It's cool. And now we have our first actual debate of the, uh, of the bracket, which is good uh, because I'm going cactus over just about anybody all the time, no matter where he was, when he was. Uh, it, you know, it's cactus for me. But I will say I love the BWO. But for me, the I thought all of these. I thought the right to censor was for me my favorite Stevie Richards thing. So, like, I associate him with that more than anything. And then, like, Meanie, I just, I love Meanie. Like, I donned the Meanie name. I stole it at one point and I was just the green Meanie. So, like, I love me some blue Meanie. Nova's kind of a big bag of nothing for me. He always has been, even when he was in WWE. Like, he was just a big bag of nothing for me. So, I don't have any fond memories of Nova, really. Uh, so, yeah, it's Cactus All Day, but I love the BWO. This is literally the hardest bracket we've done. Done so far, by the way, bro, I mean, this is just insane, <laughs> bro, bro.
1: When Simon yeah. Dean came out and they had the fake telephone number that you can call me and Tyler, <laughs> me and Tyler over there called it and laughed our tits off <laughs> because it was just a 1-800 number of him, like recording just all the horrific fat insults you can think of. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's fantastic oh, good times. Oh, all right, so for the first time, the decider, Ty Matthews.
2: Oh man, I was I would have never expected this matchup, especially with it being 3 on 1. Um, I was a massive 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 BWO fan. For for a variety of reasons, I thought the <laughs> Meanie was one of the most bizarre uh characters I had seen. Loved the Meanie dance. Um, I I loved Stevie Richards as part of the Flock in WCW. <laughs> um and then that was yeah yeah and then nova nova i thought (coughs) really was another guy that was really influential in terms of kind of the way that the indies and i guess now the way that wrestling as a whole is today like he invented so many moves that are used now you know you'll get the the spin doctor that's still being used as the crossroads things like that um But um, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's almost unfair to put Cactus Jack up against really anyone. You look at his resume from Japan to ECW to WCW to WWE, like so many different kind of bespoke bodies of work. Um, Got to go with Cactus on this one.
0: All right. Two to one. Cactus moves on bringing us to I think I know where this one's going. Mike Awesome and Balls Mahoney. Oh, so, uh, man. Let, we'll let Ty kick this one off.
2: This one, I mean, I, had, I don't have a ton of memories of, of Balls Mahoney. Um, I think he's another example of ECW really just u- being resourceful, using what they had at their disposal and hiding weaknesses. Um, another guy who really, you know, people got amped for his entrance. They got amped for his weapons work. Um, maybe not a lot else. Um, but, um, when it comes to Mike awesome, I really feel like he's one of the biggest missed opportunities that there, that there has been in wrestling. You know, he went from being such a colossal force in, you know, kind of the later, uh, eras of ECW to being saddled with stuff like, you know, the, the, that seventies guy, the fat chick thriller, things like that. Um and still like rolled with it. Like still, you know, still went went along with it.
0: Yeah, I uh, think the fat chick thriller actually got a little over. Like it, it's one of the yeah. things that people actually liked and they got behind it a little bit. So he had
2: he had this charisma that like it didn't seem like he should have had when it comes when it came to like comedy and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, you know, his time in ECW as the career killer, his matches with Masado Tanaka. Um, I, I, yeah, I got to go with Mike awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We talked about Mike awesome and Masato Tanaka in depth last week. And we also did a take it up with creative Mike awesome in WCW because they, I mean, they just shit the bed. Like Mike, awesome, mm-hmm. they, they, they were on top of the world and then they got Mike awesome and Bret Hart and like a couple other guys <sighs> you could have done something with. And they just completely did nothing, did not create any new stars. Is just kind of a rough period there for WCW. So for me, we've talked about Mike Awesome at length. I think I'm going to be the one here to say, I think Balls Mahoney is a little better than he gets credit for. I, Mm -hmm. I think he's a much better worker than just the weapons stuff but the cheers and everything became such a part of his gimmick that ended up being what he kind of got saddled doing but i i feel like of all the guys we're going to talk about that are like that ecw blood you know bloodlust guys i think balls might be the best worker out of all them but i mean like he came from smoky mountain he came from the territories he had you know he learned how to be a worker before he went to ecw so uh but, I mean, the gimmick, the character, I think I, I think Heyman hit it right on the head. I think that was the most over Balls Mahoney was ever going to get, and I really like it, but I'm still going Mike Awesome. So, Ronald?
1: <laughs> yeah, this is kind of unfortunate because Balls Mahoney was going to be my Santino Marella for this bracket. <laughs> and uh, and, I, and I think Cole knew that by putting up, putting him up against Mike Awesome in the first round. Because, like like you alluded to earlier, Cole, we, uh, we the whole purpose for us creating Take It Up With Creative, other than Bret Hart in WCW, the second episode to follow was Mike Awesome in ECW. Yeah. And it's one of the biggest blunders in history, and we adore Mike Awesome to this day. You know, rest in peace. Uh, but, you know, I will say about Balls Mahoney, like, the dude can do a spinning heel kick to a guy yeah. up against the ropes— to like to it's like he he uses it like a clothesline over the top rope, but he does a spinning heel kick and goes with the guy. It's fucking athletic as shit. And uh, yeah. he was the ECW's chairman. Uh, he was another guy like the Sandman that came out to Big Balls by ACDC. He was all entrance, all gimmick. And uh, the bell rang. It wasn't as great, but it was better than Sandman. And uh, when you, <laughs> when you think of when you think of ECW, you kind of go to Balls Mahoney. He was on a cover mm. of one of their video games. As bad as that was. He's still he's still one of those guys that you kind of think of, even though he's Cactus Jack ordered off Wish, but yeah, uh, (laughs) that's very good. But it is Mike Awesome for me. You you know me so well, Cole. Mike Awesome is one of those complete hybrid pro wrestlers that, like you know, the dude does a springboard to the outside over the barricade onto somebody. Yeah, insane at at six feet seven and over three hundred pounds. Dude's awesome. Miss him to this day, Uh, pun intended. But, uh, yeah, Mike awesome for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I promise you it wasn't on purpose. This time I actually ranked everyone 1 through 32 and then slotted them with the person that they actually lined up with. So it was not on purpose, but I did notice it. (laughs) (laughs) So that brings us to Tommy Dreamer and Spike Dudley, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know who's getting the shit kicked out of them worse uh for this one this is like the two top salesmen in ecw right here this is kind of a bad matchup really uh if you were gonna book it but i think they'd make a great tag team though that'd be fun tommy dreamer just they just get the shit who take out the, of them I like, say, who take the heat? <laughs> yeah <laughs> so well, i i think tommy fired up the hot tag is is where you where you where you end up at but still i think these both both of these guys are like just the most classic of the couple types of baby faces that there ever were spike Dudley, you know, the just never ending underdog that just wouldn't stay down and would always keep fighting back. Like these are the two, like this is the, if you could make a perfect character for that gimmick, that type of baby face, just like the, the, the never say die white meat baby face. These are the two guys. I love them both. But I think for me, it's just slight edge for Tommy Dreamer. Ty?
2: Yeah, this one I really I I love both of them, and I feel like Spike Dudley was was such a good example. You know, you look at guys like um, Spike Dudley, who I think is kind of a similar archetype to like a Rey Mysterio, where if you look at casual fans, a lot of them are just going to look at the size. Of the two wrestlers. Right. But I felt like ECW did such a good job with Spike Dudley yeah. of like making it look like, oh shit, he's actually got a chance. Yes. And and I felt like those moments, you know, if he was, you know, him hitting the acid drop through the table was such a big moment and and would really kind of light that crowd on fire. Um I think I've got to go with with Tommy Dreamer just because he, he just was the heart and soul of ECW. You know, he he was that, that perennial underdog that people wanted to see, you know, finally win the big one. Um, and I think we've seen that story a lot since then. But I think not many times has it been done as well as it was done with Tommy Dreamer.
1: Ronald? Yeah, for me, you know, Spike W, always entertaining to watch. Uh, like, he's a crash test dummy. Like, just... Willing to take everything. He is uh he is all over any ECW highlight reel as far as just getting maimed. Uh but Tommy Dreamer, he's you know, he's basically ECW's Ricky Morton. He's he's their he's their big baby face and he's carried the flag for ECW to this day. Like, you know, anything he does, he's still that Tommy Dreamer character. You know, uh yeah, coming out to Man in the Box is like a big memory for me, the Allison Chains theme. Uh, his, the, the 10 lashes with the, the Singapore cane, you know, he, like, he was as old school as old school was when it comes to, you know, salesmanship as a baby face and just was their biggest good guy there. Whereas Spike Dudley for me was like the, the series spinoff, uh, of the, of the, of the other successful duo. And, but you know, in his own right did the most out of the, anyone else from that group, the Dudleys. And uh, had a pretty sweet singles run, even though it was drenched in him, just him getting his ass kicked. It was highly entertaining, and he deserves all the credit in the world. But you know, you can't, you you're, you're, you're not gonna win against Tommy Dreamer in this one. He's one. If there is an ECW Mount Rushmore, uh, he's got to be on it. Yeah, that's
0: that's a good point. And, and then just to add some, uh, uh Tommy, Dr- just a little piece of my Tommy Dreamer love. I got to meet him. He he put my sister over big time like huge right in front of her own face too so it was nice that she got to hear it but and, I mean he put her over like crazy and he went out of his way to work with her because she's so you know in his mind she's so freaking good she should be He, you know it was, it was like she's gonna make me look good so <laughs> and he took a fucking balls so let's just Tommy Dreamer <laughs> <laughs> Uh, our next matchup: Bam Bam Bigelow and Just Incredible,
1: Ronald. Okay, I've been on I've been on the rooftops, singing the praises of Bam Bam, on this show for three years. Uh, but this is the ECW bracket, and as much as I love Bam Bam in ECW, his contributions—he's had a lot of matches there that were fun to watch uh you know he's still the wwf guy to me he's still the you know the he's still the lt versus bam bam wrestlemania 11 like all the wwf stuff the, the doink the doink feud it just felt like that guy was in ecw even though all of his matches i thought were amazing ecw like ecw like just incredible represents that for me the impact players the 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 presentation with him and lance Storm and don marie another guy with the singapore cane. But, uh, you know, as far as, like, if you're going to make a poster of ECW, the, the first person that I would see on it before Bam Bam is just incredible. And uh, for this bracket, you know, if, if we're going ECW bracket, someone who's contributed more for a lot longer, uh, I got to go with Mr. Aldo Montoya. I mean, just incredible. <laughs> All right. All right.
0: Oh, I love when Ron tries to pretend he's logical once in a while and choose the thing. But uh, as we covered last week, Bam Bam Bigel responsible for like two or three of the greatest moments in ECW history – and Just Incredible is a big nothing burger for me. So like I, I've seen a lot of Just Incredible stuff. I saw Aldo Montoya. It never did anything for me. He's like You also said you never
1: watched DCW. <laughs> so that means no, that right, means I've seen enough Just incredible means that you're only <laughs> that you're only judging this on his contributions to WWE, which all sucked. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair, but I've seen even like even I've
0: watched enough of his ECW stuff to be like, yeah, top rope tombstone, brother. Fine. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Uh, so it's that's cool. One move, <laughs> I'll, take, I'll I can counter with the the 450 pound moonsault. Like I'll take that over the t- over a guy being reckless. <laughs> but, can, but can can he do it now
1: though? <laughs> I mean, if we're talking breathing One person's winning Alright, Ronald What? Don't give me the too soon shit You know how long this guy's been dead (laughs) Oh, Bam Bam
0: (laughs) It's Bam Bam One to one, going to tie
2: (laughs) Man This was a tough one This was a very, very tough one um, I think I think Cole's absolutely right. And I and I had thought those things even even uh going into this that that Bam Bam is known for some of those really notable moments, you know, putting Taz through the ring, tossing Spike Dudley into the crowd. Um But in my mind, those are just moments. And I feel like the the impact players. And especially Just Incredible's title run near the near the the later days of ECW, once a lot of their bigger names had had kind of fled, um, I thought that he did a lot as a heel champion, um, to really kind of prop up that era. So it it is a very, very close one, possibly the closest we've seen yet for me. Um, but I'm gonna go with Just Incredible Ooh. on this one.
1: Ooh. And that's not just the best. (laughs) That's not just the greatest. You know what that is, Cole? What is it, Ron? That is just incredible.
0: Very good. Crotch top. Can we get some more uh, uh, promo from last week?
1: (laughs) Some more promo from last uh, week, yeah.
0: Yeah, we, you went into the Joel Gertner rant last week, and oh, it was magical. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: well, well, I got a million of those, too. All right, <laughs>
0: well, staying with the primetime players theme, uh, Terry Funk taking on Lance Storm. I'll start, it's Terry Funk. <laughs>
1: Awesome and uh, prime time players. I didn't know uh, that. Uh, what's his name? By uh, Titus. O'Neil. Millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. You mean the platinum? You, you yeah, yeah. Uh, no, sorry, Platin, sorry. Impact yes, the, yes. I see, that's was, my bad. I was going Lee Steele and Big Tony for I did, a second. I did. A, I did a, a corny Platin right Platin there and
0: got my tag teams mixed up.
1: <laughs> yeah. But then Ron, also, you just said Lance Steele. Yeah, yeah. I I, no, no. I said I almost went Lee. Yeah, Lance Steele. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking up, fucking up, reg- fucking up royally. So Lee Steele and Big Tony are the platinum players. Yes. If you don't yes. Know, don't worry if you if you don't know people, you're fine. Yeah, it's, Nobody it's, knows. It's fine. Nobody knows. Just like us. I'm a player. I'm a player. Oh my gosh. Oh, so Terry Funk versus Lance Storm. You yes. Said? Okay. Well. Oh, you know, yeah, if you're going to talk Mount Rushmore's again, you know, the ECW wouldn't be wouldn't have as much life as it got without the endorsement and the star power of Mr. Uh, Terry Funk. And, uh, you know, and I love me some Lance Storm. I love that his gimmick was just saying where he was from. That was uh, even during the three count, you know, the one, two, three Calgary, Alberta, Canada. That was, uh, that was his highlight, you know, other than his wicked athleticism, that's where it stopped and ended. And, you know, and eventually WCW would double down on his lack of personality, yes. which was my favorite run of Lance Storm's, you know, if I could be serious for a moment was some of the best shit he's yes. ever done. Even, mm-hmm. even the mildly, you know, Hey, he might have a big dick gimmick and that he had in <laughs> WWE. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's Terry Funk. It's got to be Terry Funk. You know, I tried. I tried to extend my you know knowledge and talking about Lance Storm just because I know he's about to exit. <laughs> but uh, you know, there's some people who do, and there's some people who can just teach, and that's what he ended up doing was teaching. And, and he's uh, trained
0: some damn good workers.
1: Yeah, he's responsible for a lot of the talent out there, but uh, Terry Funk is responsible for a lot of the everything okay. out there, uh, and uh, it's Terry Funk for me as well.
0: All right, Ty yeah
2: it 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 hurts me to see uh landstorm going up against uh, a legend like terry funk uh because landstorm is an an all-time all-time favorite of mine um looking his matches you know as as part of the um the thrill seekers um you know it's he's put on some of the some of my favorite matches ever um you know, his his match against Jerry Lynn and I think Anarchy Rules might have been ninety-nine um for a long time was just my favorite just yeah. match. Just full stop. Um, but I think you're right. It's it's impossible to overstate Terry Funk's contributions to not only wrestling in general, but especially to ECW. And and as we've said, this being an ECW bracket, um yeah, yeah, it's it's gotta be Terry.
1: All right, clean sweep. That C Cole, now only if you put Just Incredible up against Terry Funk. I know. I know. <laughs> I could have switched it. Uh, who, who, who are we kidding? We would have picked Landstorm over Bam Bam, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> My favorite matchup of the entire first round. We've made it to Raven. Taking on New Jack, ladies and gentlemen. Raven oh, versus New Jack. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, so for me, uh, I I wasn't the biggest New Jack fan until the night that we all were in the audience live and he cut a very, very drunken promo <laughs> at an independent show admitting that he was drunk. <laughs> and uh, ever since that day, I've loved New Jack with all my heart. I love his character. I love his promos. I love everything about him. And then he took... <clears throat> the extreme world to higher levels just than they've ever been before. Quite literally jumping off balconies and other such things. I, like, he's one of these guys that I know I should hate and it's a guilty pleasure, but I fucking love new Jack. So it's new Jack Ronald.
1: <laughs> wow. <sighs> this is painful because new Jack fits the category of like, once you think of ECW, you think of new Jack. So all the moments, all like everything is just built for new for for new Jack when it comes to the ECW bracket. Like th- playing the song nonstop while he's out there doing just endless amounts of dangerous shit, jumping awkwardly off things. Not one of those falls looked no. pleasant. Like you know, no. like if when you have every limb going in every direction yeah, on the way yeah. down, it, it's it's it, it's just it's just gross looking. It, the the man embodies extreme. But like Raven is one of those artists that was able to blend the blur the lines between the extreme character and the guy that can put together a good match and promo. Like and for a while I thought he was just that weird of a dude until you go back and like you understand wrestling more and you see characters like Johnny Polo yes. and then you go, Oh, never mind, this guy is just fucking amazing. <laughs> like, how can he go from that to that? And make, make it so believable. Uh, and, you know, as much as I would love to push New Jack on for representing ECW to the fullest and kind of fits all the criteria, for me, you know, even though Raven could be on a, plet- a plethora of brackets and a plethora of lists, his best shit was in ECW. And it pains me to move him on from New Jack because I thought New Jack was going to go far just on sheer credibility. But... As far as credibility on the roster and credibility in wrestling, he doesn't stand a chance against Raven to me.
0: Ty with the, the uh final decision.
1: I
2: mean, you guys both know how how influential Raven was to me um coming up and and yeah, just those the the vignettes that he did in ECW you know, on the playground talking about growing up with Tommy Dreamer. Um, Nobody, nobody really talked like that. Like it was a little bit of Jake the Snake, but in, in such a different kind of way, you know, filtered through this hyper nineties grunge aesthetic. Um, And, and yeah, I mean, Raven returning and winning the tag titles with Tommy Dreamer is still one yeah. of my absolute favorite ECW moments. Um, new Jack is new. For someone that's as big of a fan yes. as Beyond, of
0: Beyond the Mat as I am. Did you see his dark um, side of the ring, too? Oh, oh so of course, good. Of course. Of um, course.
2: And, and yeah, you know, just further proof that in ECW, there was something yeah. for everyone. You know, it embodied that three ring circus kind of metaphor. Um, but I, I I have to go I, with Raven. I,
0: yeah, Raven's the right choice. I'm not mad about it. Uh, but I would say, <laughs> g- have you gone back and watched any of uh, New Jack's stuff from... Uh, why can't... Yeah, Smokey Mountain. Um, uh, oh, not a lot. A little so bit. so good. A little he bit. full on, like, Basically, he full on leaned leaned into defending O.J. Simpson. <laughs> oh, that's,
2: that, I, I, I've definitely seen that promo.
0: in the South. <laughs> keep, up, keep up the good he work. He was not scared of heat at all. <laughs> so no. that's another reason good for good for New Jack. But moving on to the right side of the bracket, Taz taking on
1: the Pitbulls, Ronald. Oh, even in a two-on-one scenario, I'd still go Taz. He'd probably break one Uh, of their necks
0: real quick, and
1: yeah, and you know Taz fits that category of Rob Van Dam. Like you know, it's gonna be hard to beat. He's one of the poster boys. He's one of the guys that you think of first when ECW is brought up. And I don't need to spend any spend much spend much more time on this. Uh, it's it's Taz for me.
0: Yeah, for me, the Pitbulls like it was another
1: it's another road warrior ripoff
0: like to me honestly that's what it is two big badass dudes that don't sell a lot that just kick the shit out of everyone even with a broken neck they're still like nah dog i'm going to the ring and i'm doing spots and i don't care even with this (laughs) machine on my head like insane these dudes (laughs) are tough as it gets Like they were believable. They were, I mean, you watch them bully guys. You believe they were bullies, and it was great. But they were like badass baby faces too. Like it's so good. Um, It's one of probably the one of the underappreciated tag teams in the history of the business. But I mean, it's Taz all day. Ty.
1: Yeah, and I only recognize one set of pit bulls, and they're Havana.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, yeah. Um
2: yeah this I mean you know all due respect to the Pitbulls this might be kind of one of the most I feel like lopsided um matches in the in the bracket um you know the Pitbulls were a a solid addition to the roster they had their fans they had their place on the card um but you know you you talk about that ECW Mount Rushmore there's no way Taz isn't on it um so yeah got to got to go with
1: Taz
0: All right Taz That's moving right. on
1: Suplex Jones moving on, <laughs> but I digress.
0: This one's an interesting matchup. Rhino versus Al Snow, both champions, both had good runs in WWF. Like, uh, I, I love mm-hmm. this matchup. Um, uh, Al Snow is one of those guys that, like, I appreciate him more and more as time goes by. Like, certainly, it certainly was like, yeah, he was a job guy in the moment when we all were introduced to him. He was freaking Leaf Cassidy, for Christ's sake. And then moved on to ECW where they made him a top guy, made him look like a superstar. I mean, he was a top guy in Smoky Mountain, too, before Leaf Cassidy. Uh, th- this is one of those guys that if it were a different time and place, he would have been the king of the indies kind of guy that we all loved hoping that he was would get a main event push at some point. But since he came in in the era he did, he was just a guy that got lost in the shuffle. That's a great worker. That's, I mean, honestly, Al Snow's a really good promo, and he's not an unfortunate-looking guy. Like, everything about Al Snow, you're sitting there going, like, why didn't this guy get used more? And it's just, I don't know what Vince had right. against him, but, uh oh, Rhino is just, like, he had a little bit of that Goldberg in him where he got over with the spear and everything. And he was a world beater for a while, but like, he's just such a good worker. Like it, it, it I, I, He's one of those guys. I wish was like maybe more of a Heyman guy had a manager or something like that. Cause I think he would have been a bigger star in WWE, but I just like, I love Rhino. So uh, it's Rhino for me. Slight edge. Ty
2: yeah i think i think yeah every, everything you say is is a hundred percent right um i was a, a huge fan of al snow um you know had the job squad so many so many different ways that he's contributed to the business and as as also as a fan of tough enough going back to the original season i became even more of a fan of al snow because you got to see what a what a great mind he had for the business um that being said, you know, I felt like Rhino Rhino was such a presence in those last few years of ECW and it really felt, I mean, hell, pile driving Sandman's wife off of the apron through a table, like you really felt like nobody was safe. Like when yeah. Rhino was coming out, literally anyone could just get snapped in half. Um and uh and yeah, and I mean being the the final champion as well. Um you know i felt like he he represented uh a lot of a lot of the best parts of ecw so yeah i gotta go with rhino
1: yeah and for me it's the same Uh, rhino was the last top guy he was the last champion he was like the last like big threat like the loose cannon like uh and he was like one of those guys where you didn't feel safe around, but he also had that like appearance where he was like so big, but he was also so explosive. Yeah. Like he's gonna catch you because of how fast he is. And the dude's a fucking tree. Like you know, you, you can't tell by his height, <clears throat> but mm-hmm. the dude the dude makes up makes up for in height with width. That dude's freaking massive. And uh, you know, Al Snow for me, he's all WWE for me. You know, I know the head gimmick started in WC- in ECW. And he had some WCW stuff. But for me, Al Snow will always be the father figure on Tough Enough and the fun head guy uh, and, you know, head cheese and Leaf Cassidy. Just every job squad, everything WWE related, I I attribute to Al Snow. Um, And, yeah, I I got. I'm having such good memories watching Tough Enough. (laughs) A lot of a lot of uh, people that we know were on it trying out. Yeah. Who is all snow going up against again? <laughs> <laughs> Rhino and the vote is two to nothing. Yeah, it's definitely Rhino, even though I have no chance. And there's this is, this isn't Darcy material. It's Rhino for me as well.
0: All right. Clean sweep for Rhino. And uh that brings us to this will be a fun matchup, honestly. Handicap match, the Dudleys taking on Mikey Whipwreck, ladies and gentlemen.
1: <laughs> oh boy. I'll go first. Uh well, Mikey Whipwreck Mikey Whipwreck was another one of those uh, I think there was the, he was the ECW Barry Horwitz. just lost everything and then got that like uh got that fluke win on Stone Cold when he uh, had his little cup of coffee there. Um so good story there. He had a pretty sweet tag team with Yoshihiro Tajiri when he kind of like donned the uh the the white samurai shit that he was doing with Tajiri like he was uh he was dressing all baggy pants new Japanish, and like doing the red mist I, I liked that uh but he's going up against the Dudleys which you know next to Art Rob Van Dam is the next most successful entity from ECW uh Hall of Famers uh probably the biggest tag team wrestling had ever had it has ever gotten in WWE because of one of those teams being the Dudley boys, I think I don't think tag team wrestling in WWE has had a spotlight on it since. And uh yeah, and not taking anything away from just <laughs> Bubba Ray's promos before yes. all of the matches where he would actually challenge people in the audience to come fight them. So yeah, it Dudley is it's an easy vote.
0: Yeah, and I agree. I think it's, it's an easy one for me. Uh, Mikey Whitbreck is fun. I've seen a fair amount of his ECW stuff. He's a really good worker. I like him. I love the character. <coughs> Another one of those like underdog baby faces. Like, I feel like Paul Heyman, uh, as much of a heel as he is and and as, as much as he's been a heel his whole career realistically as a manager and everything else, he really knew how to get baby faces over. Like if you look at ECW and there are some guys that just were beloved by all the fans that just had nothing going for them really outside of a song or an entrance or just a, you know, a look, but like the underdog baby face, no one could book better than Paul Heyman. So, I mean, all the credit to Mikey Wipereck and, and Spike Dudley, but you're up against the Dudleys, who are arguably the greatest tag team of all time and were a huge part of ECW culture. And they, I think they carried it on the most at the highest level. Like, the Dudleys really carried the ECW banner in WWF, in main events, in big matches. So, it's the Dudleys for Would me. you
1: say they set the table for success? <sighs>
0: Ty Matthews, ladies and gentlemen, what do you think about the Dudleys versus uh uh Mikey Whipwreck over here?
2: I mean, yeah, this is, you know, it's it's kind of another easy one as much as I loved Mikey Whipwreck to and the sinister minister as a uh, as a as an act. Um loved those matches, but yeah, there's just there's no way that that you're you're gonna beat the Dudleys' contributions to to ECW and to to yeah tag team wrestling as a whole. Um, so yeah, yeah, gotta go with the Dudleys.
0: All right, this one's interesting. Jerry Lynn versus the Eliminators. Uh I'll let Ty start this one off.
2: I think this is it's it's similar to a lot of the matches that we've seen so far. You know, you look at I was I was such a huge fan of the eliminators um especially Saturn um you know as as Saturn went on and had his runs in in WCW and in in WWE um but I think the matches that Jerry Lynn had with Rob Van Dam Um, and I mean, you know, to say nothing of, of his continued contributions, you know, now as a producer, but I think especially those matches with Rob Van Dam, I think those matches were got, what got a lot of people into ECW when it kind of, it, it had its little boom. Um, I think a lot of that was, um, kind of that rivalry. And, uh, and so, yeah, this one, I, yeah, I'll have to go with, uh, Jerry
1: Lynn. Ronald. Yeah, it, it's easy uh, for me as well. It's Jerry Lynn. Uh, it's all the matches that he had uh, with Rob Van Dam, and we touched on the Last Storm matches. You know, I even loved when he was trying to do the hardcore scream because, uh, you know, I was into metal at that time. And when he did it, it was kind of cringy, but it was also amazing. Um, yeah, for me, it's Jerry Lynn. Yeah.
0: Uh, <clears throat> I mean, Jerry Lynn is one of my favorite wrestlers of all the times. Uh, my sister was nice enough at a show to get an autograph for me from Jerry Lynn. So I have the, you know, the old TNA, uh, eight by 10, you know, like, <laughs> autographed, which is cool. Um, but I, 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 for me, Jerry Lynn's one of the guys I credit with making me watch more ECW because when TNA started up and I'm watching these insanely great matches with Jerry Lynn, I'm like, I need to go watch ECW. I need to watch it. So like, I do did deep dive. I got the RVD matches, which are just at like maybe the most underappreciated feud set of matches of all time. Like I feel like the Jerry Lynn RVD matches deserve to kind of be mentioned with like the flare steamboat stuff, like and the Okada Omega, like it just was so underappreciated at the time because it was coming from ECW and, uh, you know, Meltzer hadn't gone full balls deep just trying to get over, like, the random side promotion yet. So, um, it's it's Jerry Lynn for me, but I absolutely love the Eliminators. Uh, I, I think Cronus was so good. But uh, Perry Saturn, another one of my favorites, we've talked about it a lot on the show. So, um, yeah, I think clean sweep for Jerry Lynn. Or
1: clean mopping.
0: Ah. <sighs> Are you just going to try that every time now? Is that what we're
1: doing today? Ah! Only when Saturn comes up. (laughs) Okay.
0: Sabu and the FBI. Ronald, I know you're excited to talk about one member of the FBI, so I give you the floor.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm never excited to talk about Sabu. I don't know why. I I am on an island by myself. It's just that I never got it with that guy. You know, I just – and, like, meeting him was also no picnic either. Kind of a dick. Uh, There's going to be a theme. I already forgot who he was going up against. It. The FBI. <laughs> the FBI. Yeah. No, Big Sal That's yes. why we were laughing yes. about this. You know, we, I, did, I did say little Guido, but the, you were like, yeah, we should We should do the whole FBI. I'm like, you know, with top, Tony Mama Luke, Uh Big Sal Boski. Tracy's talkers. Huh? Tracy's yes, mother's. Tracy uh, yeah. And like, is, is big Sal Bosky even with us anymore? I don't believe so. Oh man. Uh, and you know, just even Which the contributions that Nunzio had in WWE for his little cup of coffee, <laughs> Uh, There's there's a clip that's like floating around, like you know, during Brock Lesnar's first run there. There's a there's a clip where Nunzio just runs up and just literally chops Brock Lesnar as hard as he possibly can in the back, and it's backstage, so that's all you hear, and you just see him react and seethe and just chase him off camera, and and I'm salivating at the thought of what happened after (laughs) that, because there's no way. There's no way he didn't get some sort of fuck uppery for that because I gotta find this clip and send it to you both. It's one of the funniest things that you'll ever hear. It is the it's it 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 sounds like it was discussed before and like watch how hard I chopped this big ass <laughs> motherfucker. Oh <laughs> uh, but uh yeah, you know, fuck it. I'm probably alone. I'm gonna go with little Guido here. FBI for me, buddy. No, I- no bias at all because of my heritage. <laughs>
0: No, I love it. I I wanted the the main reason I wanted the FBI because I wanted us to just mention Tracy Smothers on the show. Any chance we get. He's like one of those guys back in that day. He was the king of the indies. But then as soon as he got to ECW or WWE, he was just kind of there. He was a job guy. But the FBI, we got to see a lot of his personality come out. And I have a lot of friends in the business that just love Tracy Smothers and let us know that that was really like what Tracy was like, like that wasn't a character and he was just an off the wall, crazy dude who would say random weird shit, but he was a great guy. And he actually, like a lot of guys like Chris Hero, he really helped them like understand the business and, and think about things in a different way. And uh, I, so I just love giving Tracy Smothers some love. But also Nunzio, how about those, like, size 17 feet on that five foot 240-pound body? And that dude looked like a fucking bobblehead, like, with the base and then his big-ass head. But I love Nunzio's work, man. He's another guy that you look at him and you just know that he believes what he's doing. And even though he's not the most athletic you know, small guy like that, you know, most of the time, the 150 pounders are really athletic. Nunzio, maybe not so much, but he may have made up more than made up for it in, in just intensity and just, you know, believability and his selling, I think is massively underrated. So I love the FBI, but uh, it's Sabu. And uh, if there's one wrestler of all time where every time he wrestles, it's can't miss for me not because i know it's going to be great it's because it could be the worst thing i've ever seen in my life and it might be a ma- and it's going to be a train wreck or it could be a magical moment like the match with Taz which is one of my favorite matches of all time or the match with Rey Mysterio like Sabu is one of those guys that could absolutely hit a grand slam or he's going to strike out and fall down <laughs> like an asshole like a yeah, Joker I was gonna man, say so. like it, it
1: the, yeah, it might be can't miss for you, but he'll miss multiple yeah, things yeah, in the match
0: exactly.
1: And what the fuck is he pointing at? <laughs>
0: so one to one, Ty Matthews, the decider. Oh
2: God! And I and once again, I was I loved little Guido, and especially his his run. Um, as Nunzio in in the cruiserweight division, I felt like I just actually a couple days ago, I was watching some of his clips on on Twitter uh, from the UWFI where it was a lot of like the work shoot style. And like I realized, like, oh, the Sicilian shooter, like he was called that for a reason. Um, and so I felt like I I wish he could have gotten more of a chance to to show that side of him. Because the FBI was a fun comedy act, but Sabu for better or worse was another one of the pillars of, of ECW. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would have to go with Taboo on this one.
0: All right. That brings us to Ronald's going to hate this one. Two cold Scorpio versus Masato Tanaka. Oh, oh, this is ugly. Uh, we all, I mean, we talked at length last week about Masato tanaka and mike awesome and just how insane their matches were and if we know that these two were going to be in a ring at any point or even if they were going to cut a promo it was just can't miss because these guys were insane and brought the absolute best out of each other um but two cold scorpio is one of my five favorite wrestlers to watch in the history of all time he's on my famous you know fave five list So, like, I got to go with Two Gold Scorpio. I think his ECW stuff is just, I mean, it's, oh, it's insane. It's so good. I love every moment of it. I did a deep dive after seeing some of the ECW stuff. It's one of the first, uh, you know, tapes I bought when I got into, you know, tape collecting and all his stuff in Noah, his stuff in WCW was the reason I was watching on Saturday nights. So I love Too Cold. I've loved him since the day I became a wrestling fan. So it's hard for me to eliminate anybody, when, you know, it, or, or it's hard for me to eliminate Too Cold against anybody. So one to one. And who's got the deciding vote? I think it's Ty, right?
1: Wait, wait, I think you're the only one who voted.
0: You voted for the FBI. <laughs>
1: we're on to two cold Scorpio
0: and, uh, I went
1: first. Wow. We're on one today, guys. (laughs) Yeah. I I think, I think you're drinking some of what I'm drinking. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. One to nothing, Ronald. (laughs) Oh man. Okay. Yeah. So for me, you know, two cold Scorpio, a big fan of two cold Scorpio, but you know, this is the ECW bracket. And you know, I think for me, it's, it's, this is based on location the roster that we're talking about, the company that we're talking about. Uh, Masato Tanaka is is one half of my favorite feud in this company. And that that feud went to other companies and just it was a money-drawing match, him and him my costume, that everybody wanted it. And, uh, and ECW had multiple pay-per-views, including the big one-night stand reunion show where they had this match. So for me, and I don't know if we're gonna have a lot of opportunities, to, a lot of opportunities to talk about Masato Tanaka, which is gonna play a big role on why I'm picking him over uh, Two Cold Scorpio, because Two Cold Scorpio has a number of other reasons to be included into brackets. Uh, his WCW stuff is phenomenal as well. You can say what you want about the WWE stuff, but uh, you know, for me in this bracket, it's Masato Tanaka.
0: All right, so now it's one-to-one, and we're going to the decider, Ty Matthews. You can see the future. <laughs> I kind of I kind of uh, knew. I kind of felt that Tanaka was where Rod was going. That is correct. But
2: <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, you know, it's this was a tough one. This is a tough one for sure. I just saw, hell, even just this past April um, over WrestleMania weekend, I saw... Two cold Scorpio on uh, for the culture against Brian Keith and the stuff that he can still do to this day is, is absolutely incredible. Um, You know, just the, the stuff that he did as a, as a a high flyer. Um, But I think very similar to the matches and the rivalry between RVD and Jerry Lynn, I think much of the same could be said for the feud between Mike Awesome and Masato Tanaka. I felt like those matches, Really turned a lot of people on to to ECW and what they were doing, and um, and really, you know, I think got a lot of people interested in the in the Japanese uh, wrestling scene that might not have otherwise been. And so, um, and so, yeah, I, I'm going with Masato Tanaka on this one.
0: Mm. This is a tough one for me. That's a tough loss. <laughs> That's
1: right, Darso flash thrunk through. That's,
0: I mean. <laughs> He's going up it, like he's going up against Sabu if he goes through right now. So this is like a good time for me to use a darso because it won't be wasted. Like my guy will might Either be that, able to but... get to the next round.
1: <laughs> it might not be wasted, but it'll definitely be used. <laughs> and that's all I want.
0: Oh. Play the music, Ronald. <laughs> yes. that's right ladies and gentlemen that's right two cold Scorpio moving on to the next round oh, I
1: beating Masato <laughs> Tanaka I
0: hate using a darso in the first round but uh this is one time where I think it might actually work for me it could turn one of my favorite wrestlers into a a, a, a you know elite eight maybe even a final four so I'm good with it
1: yes job squad moving on. OK, the leader of the jobs, yeah, the leader yeah. of the job squad couldn't move on. Yeah. But...
0: <laughs> All right. Sorry, I couldn't read my own writing there for a second. So now we've got Shane Douglas, the franchise, take it on. Super crazy, ladies and gentlemen, not as big a no brainer as you think. I don't know. Uh, super crazy. Uh, very innovative. One of the one of the guys that really um, put a spotlight on cruiserweight wrestling, I think, at the time. Um, And I I don't think he gets enough credit for being so impactful on changing the business um, because he really never got out of the preliminary matches. He's one, two or three. But like every time you saw Super Crazy come out there, you knew you were going to see something great. It was going to be a good match. Uh, I love me some Super Crazy, but he's up against the franchise in this case. And when we're talking about ECW like Shane Douglas. It might be right up there with Terry Funk. Who deserves the credit for making it as big as it as it was and making it pop? And so uh, I got Shane Douglas here, and Ronald.
1: Yeah, uh, Shane Douglas was the first time I ever heard a cuss word on wrestling. <laughs> yes, uh, like dude, dude came out and said "fuck," and I was like, "Whoa, I'm watching this from now on." <laughs> uh, but you know, for me, if you're gonna plot me down as a 12 year old, I was watching super crazy matches. At nauseum and just as, as far as like, if you're going to ask me what I was more entertained by bell to bell, uh, it'd be super crazy. But if you're putting a gun to my head and telling me who was more pivotal and, you know, more, you know, a bigger contributor, I would go Shane Douglas, the franchise. Um, but, oh. One became a teacher and one became uh, part of the Mexicals. Uh, a lawn care. And business. Uh, the one, wa- <laughs> yes. The, yeah, the Juan deer, yes. the Mexican limo, 2005.
0: Excuse
2: me. Excuse me.
1: Oh, psychosis doesn't get enough credit either for his contributions <laughs> to that group. Oh, fuck it. I'm going super crazy, All ladies right. and gentlemen.
0: One to one. Ty Matthews has a lot of decisions to make today.
2: Man, I God. It this is tougher than I think I I had realized because you know I you I, I've been talking a lot about the things that I think got a lot of people interested and really sparked their interest in ECW. And I think a lot of it was those matches with like Tajiri, Super Crazy, Um, Little Guido, like that. It was it was such a perfect and it it sounds like an insult, but it was such a perfect like mid card kind of placement. Like, cause it was, it was something you weren't going to see anywhere else on the card and it was going to be entertaining to absolutely everyone. Um, but you know, throwing that belt down, making the change from Eastern championship wrestling to extreme championship wrestling, um, you know, Shane Douglas with ECW, um, So, I got to go with the franchise.
0: And to your point, though, about Super Crazy, like, uh, for someone like me, who kind of bought into the Jerry Lawler promos and ECW just being extremely crappy wrestling and all garbage stuff and, and, and knowing that what they did was a lot of weapons and bullshit. I wasn't into that at any point. I'm still not into it to this day. Every once in a while, though, you'll mm-hmm. see something great. Like I, I think uh, Swerve and and uh, uh, Hangman had just an absolutely great, uh, you know, bloody clusterfuck match a couple weeks ago. Um, I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely right that the super crazy matches, when I saw that kind of shit, I went, oh, this is what ECW is, huh? And that's like, you know, those matches with Jerry Lynn, super crazy. Those are the first kind of things that made me go, oh, I need to dig into this a little bit more. There's a lot here. And I watched like the entire Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero feud and like all that kind of stuff. There's a lot like ECW was everything. It was like every part of pro wrestling and I love it. So, uh that brings us to the final matchup for today on episode 1 part 1. Oh,
1: and I know who it is based on process of elimination. Yes, this, this is this one's yeah, going to suck. Yeah, this
0: really sucks. I saw this like this sucks for me, uh Tajiri taking on Chris Candido, ladies and gentlemen. This sucks a uh, lot. This uh, This, you know, Raven and New Jack was my favorite uh, first round matchup, but I think this is by far the most difficult. Like, oh, I love Tajiri. He's another one of those guys that's in my fave five. And I've watched so much Tajiri all the way from, from Blue Trunks in Japan through to his most recent, you know, TV match with MLW. Like, I love Tajiri. I love everything about him. I think he's perfect in every way. He's believable. You could tell he believes what he's doing. You get you look at his eyes, you could tell that he's a little bit off and he's a little bit insane. And his everything he does looks so good and so crisp. But I can make all those same arguments for Chris Candido. And he was such an innovator for a guy his size. He'd doing the top rope power bombs, doing the spots that he would do, um but he, was, he still slowed it down, told a story, and was a great old-school worker while innovating and being crazy. He's one of those guys that just was in the wrong generation. If he had come up even in 2000, like when, you know when, when he was in TNA, and he was still in his 30s, by the way. He was still young. He still had that opportunity. But if he had just started in TNA and been a TNA original kind of guy, he'd be a main eventer right now. No questions asked. And, and so... It's a really tough decision, but just for my absolute love of Tajiri, I give him the slightest of edges here. Uh, Ronald.
1: Uh yeah, Chris Candido, he was like one of the first people like as I was growing up watching that, you know, a lot of times with wrestlers and wrestling fans, perception is reality. And like the first time you see somebody, that's kind of who they are from now on. And the first time I saw him was the Body Donna's. And it's it was hard for me to to not when I see somebody for the first time doing one gimmick and then they switch to something completely serious. Yeah. It's hard for me to uh, get out of that. But he was like the first person to do that because he was so uh did a, he he was such a 180 of the body Donna's gimmick uh, on the uh, when he was just Chris Candido that it made me just buy in and I and I loved it. But like I I touched on this last week when talking about you know my Tajiri moment uh, when. Tajiri, same thing, you know, the first time I saw him, he was wearing the blue trunks, high flyer kicks, all that stuff, but when when they needed a monster for Taz, and they didn't just pick a monster, they just completely just made Tajiri this evil person, and he came out and just beat the fuck out of Taz, who I thought that was unattainable at the time, they had this guy come out and spray mist and kick the shit out of Taz, and it just made me take this, like, little guy that I thought was just fun to watch... And I bought into how scary he was. So I think that is crazy character work for someone like that. Not to mention all the comedy stuff he did later on while being a great wrestler. So as much as it pains me uh, to eliminate Chris, Chris Candino, uh he will be missed. Uh, but uh, it's, it's Chijiri for me.
0: Oh, the little chuckle is the best part of that. He will be missed. <laughs> All right, Ty, uh, closing thoughts on uh, to Jerry and Chris Candido.
2: Um, I, you know, I, I, I can't say much that that hasn't already been said. I think, you know, none of us, none of us feel good about it, but you know, it's, I think it's another instance of, you know, kind of like Mike awesome, like such a big missed opportunity. Um, And You know, when it comes down to contributions to ECW, um, you know, there's a lot of people that I think myself included that Tajiri is kind of one of the first names you think of when you think of ECW. And so um, it's it's tough. It's a it's a tough matchup for sure. But uh, yeah, I would have to go with Tajiri.
0: Wow I'm pleasantly surprised I was I was disappointed when that was the matchup that kind of got made there but I, I feel like uh, just a little bit uh, we're, I think the three count or uh, you know whatever the 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 group the the three Jersey guys, bam bam I think all three of them are getting a little bit of yeah the threat getting a little bit of uh, disrespect today but that's okay because it's the creative team and we play by our own rules. So that's gonna do it for today. For part one, I feel like we were really long, so I'm just going to do this outro, and you guys will be back with us next week for part two of the ECW Bracket for Ron Kilborn and our, our guest, Ty Matthews. I am Cole Dawson saying thank you, we love you, and good night, more.
1: Thanks for listening. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at Creative Team Pod or just the Creative Team on Facebook. Follow Cole Dawson on Twitter and Instagram at Cole2130 and follow yours truly at Ron underscore Kilborn. We'll see you next week on another episode of The Creative Team.